track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop with a big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and... Touch the ball, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT, and joining me as always is my partner on the show, Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Doing well, JT. Happy to be here. Happy to wrap up this season of NXT. It's been a, a fun ride and a quick ride. Went by a lot quicker than I thought. It really did. I mean, I guess the last couple of years we've done... Um, full pay-per-view seasons that I had at least, what, 12 shows or so. And so this this is a little bit less. It was only eight. And they're also shorter, so a lot of them have a lot less matches to dive into, which has been nice. But, yeah, we're closing it out tonight with a pair of 2019 takeovers. And, honestly, two of the most well-regarded takeovers. Mm -hmm. um, I think takeover in general as a brand is, is really well-regarded. But um, these two in particular were always very well thought of. So I'm interested to get your takes on them. And, of course, at the end of the show, we'll do our year-end awards. Uh, if you are new here, we recommend going back to the beginning episode, the first episode at least, to hear the, uh, everything get laid out for you. But what we do is take each uh, – we're going through each WWE pay-per-view on <clears throat> what we determine to be a, a season basis. So we're not doing it in a calendar year. So we start with the first pay-per-view event post-WrestleMania. And it goes to the following year's WrestleMania. So the first season we did, we started King of the Ring 94, ended at WrestleMania 11. That's the end of a season when you look at WWE and kind of how they book their year to year. Uh, so we're kind of jumping around. We've done, oh, we've done 94, 95. We've done 2011, 2012. We've done 99, 2000. And now this is our fourth season. We're wrapping up NXT 18, 19. Uh, we break down each match. We grade each match. But then we also go ahead and uh, break down a bunch of categories based on a plus minus 
system. So if you think of a replacement level anything, right, it's like kind of the most basic level you could get. It's average. It's not going to be anything bad. It's not going to add any value. That's a baseline for us, whether that's a two and a half star match or just baseline commentary, baseline moments, like that's just that. So anything we think is a plus over that baseline gets a point. Anything we think is a minus below that baseline takes away a point. And we net all that out to give us a final score. Uh, so tonight we'll go ahead and do that. And then we'll see where these shows each rank according to the full list where we have all, you know, 40-ish shows that we've done so far leveled out. So, Marcus, do you want to quickly just touch on the categories uh, and then we'll get going? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our first category is build. That is the build up into the show, storylines and stuff like that. Uh, we factor in the commentary, the atmosphere of the event, notable moments and importance on the show, the match grades, the card structure, rewatchability factor, and all-time matches. Okay, so we'll go through each of those. We'll give our plus minuses in addition to our match grades as well um, as we get going through that. So let's get to our first show, and that is NXT TakeOver Phoenix. This is the weekend of the uh, 2019 Royal Rumble. It's uh, January 26, 2019 from the Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix. And uh, it was, uh, you know, again, another well-hyped show, well-designed show. Our commentary team, Mauro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Watson. Pretty much been our team for the majority of these shows in the season. Uh, I know our buddy, the Cowboy, uh, Mr. Morissette, was at this show live. And it was actually a, a pretty funny, not funny, funny retrospect now, I guess. So this one, his nephew Ryder was was pretty into the product. They have family in, in Arizona, so they went out. And they go to take over. And then they had tickets to the Rumble, and they all got uh, like a wicked stomach virus while there. Oh. So they, I think they made it to Access, and then they did not end up getting to the Rumble. They so they were headed there, and I think like Ryder got sick in the car, and they had to turn around, and that was it. Dang, they got get that same virus that you got at the Pittsburgh Rumble. Yeah, I think it was something similar to that. It was like almost Man. the exact situation. Mine, I just got lucky that <clears throat> it hit me the day before the Rumble. Um, theirs hit the day off. If that, I mean, if that would have been me, I definitely probably wouldn't have made it either in Pittsburgh. That's how bad mine was. But tells you don't 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 fly in January to a wrestling show. <laughs> that's <laughs> apparently it's that's bad karma right there. Drive if you can. A uh, sign of things to come in the upcoming years, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get through our matches and then we'll uh, get into our category. So as our opener, we have the War Raiders defeating uh, our top team so far in the promotion this season. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong of Undisputed Era to win the NXT Tag Team titles. We talked about War Raiders debut in um, Brooklyn when they attacked this team here, Undisputed Era, after they won the titles back. And uh, this is, you know, again, just a really damn good match. A great match, honestly. Uh, the War Raiders have really been, uh, like, I always liked them in Ring of Honor quite a bit. They were around <clears throat> a lot when I was reviewing the show regularly for PlaceMation.com. They were both guests on the uh, long, now forgotten Kevin Kelly show. They both came on and were cool guys. And uh, seeing them pop up here, I think you know they had some good buzz, and they pretty much strapped them up right away, put the rocket on them in the tag division, and and put the belts you know on them immediately. The story was really good. 
a lot of near falls for for strong and arrival have just been awesome this entire season. Um, you know, the War Raiders prove like they're not just a power team. They're a power team with great double team offense, a power team that can take to the air as well, you know, bust out different spots and really piece together, you know, an exciting match. So I ended up going four and a half on this, Marcus. And honestly, it's up there as one of the best matches we've seen this season. And just when you think like Undisputed Era couldn't get better, you know, I went four and a half on their match at Mustache Mountain at the UK tournament. You kind of think like, all right, that's probably the peak of the tag division. But no, like we're right back at it again um, to open the show. And I, I love, too, that they've settled in to these tag title matches all season being the openers of all these takeovers. Like, I think it's a great decision. It really gets the crowd hopping. They all have great work rate. It's unique. And it shows the focus on the tag division. So I like the slot here. The match is awesome. And we have new tag team champions. Yeah, I will uh, meet your four and a half. And I went four and a half as well. That's like a seven for you. Then <laughs> Look, um, Strong and O'Reilly, this is my <laughs> brand of uh, tag team wrestling in the 21st century. These guys are awesome. Uh, and we've really seen it all season. And I've grown to appreciate their work a lot more. Uh, just the perfect blend um, of like heel work but also knowing how to like work the match. They work a different style of match depending on who their opponents are. And the War Raiders offense was really awesome. Uh, like you mentioned, all the power moves, but not just that. They sprinkled in the strikes with a row, the yeah. surprise high-flying and agility attacks by Hanson. And then you get the strong double teams to isolate uh, at the end and to, to win the titles. So, yeah, four and a half for me. One of the best tag team matches I think the promotions ever had. Um, can't say enough good things about this. This was this was really awesome. Yeah, and it, this one felt more like a passing of the torch than Mustache Mountain did. That one always felt like maybe it was going to be like an ongoing feud. This felt like we're probably done with Strong and O'Reilly toward yeah. the top of the tag division, and like we're moving on to the War Raiders era. Right. Um, it honestly felt like an old school NXT title change where the losers were headed up. Now we know that doesn't yeah. quite happen with undisputed era, but at this time there was a lot of talk around it. Like it seemed like it was definitely possible that they'd all be going. Um, and uh, we see that they don't again, but there, this definitely was like a sea change in the tag division. So, uh, all right, next up we have a, I guess a rematch <clears throat> from Brooklyn as cash. takes on Matt Riddle. Uh, we, we talked a lot about it in Brooklyn um, you know, that ended up being more of like a angle or a, a segment as opposed to an actual match. So it wasn't a ton to it. But here they have a full match. It goes 10 minutes. Riddle ends up winning by submission. Not a true submission. He kind of just elbows the shit out of Ono until he just taps out, which is cool. Like it's something unique that you don't see a lot of. So I did like the finish. <clears throat> it was, again, fine. I think you'd, you'd hope for more. So, yeah, it's like an ongoing struggle with Ono during this time. We talked about it in our last episode. The expectations were pretty high coming off his indie run. You know, people thought there was he was underused, which he probably was. And then they started signing more and more, like, independent-level talent with a higher profile. And it seemed like he got kind of left behind quickly. But I feel like they gave him a chance in this feud. And the matches just don't connect. And maybe you could tell me more if you think that's a Riddle thing or an Ono thing in this. Um, but, or is it just the structure? Like they only get 10 minutes, but 10 minutes for them, like they should be able to hustle through a sprint 
pretty good with their, you know, work rate and move sets that they both have. So I, this is fine. They tried to work the, the knockout stuff again. Um, but it was really always meant to be riddle going over strong. Like, I think that probably hurt it a bit too. Like there was no way. Ono was winning this match. <laughs> so it was, it was clear from the star Wars headed. So I don't know if that didn't help either, but, um, yeah, I don't know. What'd you think of this one? I went, I went three stars. So still pretty yeah. good, but a little disappointing. Yeah, I was just a little tick below and went uh, two and three quarters. It was good. Like, um, you know, like this could have been a TV main event. Um, I think it's just tough whenever you do like you have like an MMA offense oriented guy going up against somebody who's bigger. It's just it's awkward. Um, and it's, it's not a knock. I think it's just just like how the offense ends up looking like. I don't know. There's weight divisions in classes in in MMA for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like a bit more of like a fair fight. And you know, like wrestling is obviously, uh, is it fake? Is it a work? Um, it's just yeah. It's, I think it's just different to try to do some of that rolling around and working the strikes and you know all that all that other stuff to try to have that happen to somebody who is like six four, six five, like Cassius Ono. Um, yeah, it can just be a little awkward, I think, to try to make all that work. But, I mean, the match was good. Um, mm-hmm. It was not bad by any stretch. Ono's a guy who, like, really should have got a lot more love in his first run. And then by the time they bring him back for a second run, yeah, you know, he's he's almost 20 years in the business. And, you know, maybe, maybe he should have been, like, player slash coach of a stable or something like that. Like, that right, might have been right. a better fit for him. Uh, but like here, he's definitely a solid, you know, the old phrase solid hand just to get out there and to really highlight, um, highlight riddle and what he can do and get him setting up to be a star for the rest of the promotion. Like he's going to be. Yeah. And I think some of it is the expectations for ladies takeover matches are so high that when you get a match, it's like just three stars. <laughs> like it feels like, <laughs> you know, you only get five matches, right? Like, you almost like the expectations, like they all got to be four and above almost a lot of the mm-hmm. time. So um, I, it feels like it can be a letdown with, with the standard these cards had established and the reputation. It's almost like anything that doesn't deliver four or at least three and three quarters, somewhere around there and above is like, oh, big disappointment. We had an on to duty. Yeah, it's like a that match might have been like one of the best of the night, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's just a unfair, almost impossible <laughs> bar to reach and maintain. But they did, which was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> For a long stretch. <laughs> um, all right. Up next is a match with a pretty sterling reputation. It's one that I know in some circles has received the full five star rating, and I, I believe our buddy Aaron is one of them. And that is Ricochet taking on Johnny Gargano for the North American title that Ricochet had uh, defeated Adam Cole for. So a pretty shortish reign as Gargano defeats him 24 minutes. Uh, I mean, I do think this match is awesome. I do think it was a little short of five stars to me. I think there were some, you know, pieces about it that I think you'll probably call out uh, that feel like you heard it a bit. I, I do think Ricochet is pretty awesome. I think he's been awesome during this entire run. Uh, I like Gargano. 
trying to do, you know, some different stuff because he knows like this is one guy he's probably not going to be able to hang with from like an aerial and um, athleticism standpoint. So he does try and like ground a little bit more and go that way. And this is while Gargano's kind of still doing the heel stuff coming off the end of the Ciampa feud. He's kind of started to twist heel a little bit. So, you know, there's some of that mixed in here too. The finish uh, was pretty good as well, where he hit the leaping DDT. So, you know, I, I thought it started a little shaky, but then once they get that groove and really hit the next gear, they took off. So I know this is one who are very divergent. Um, and again, I feel like it's one where I'm lower than probably the consensus. And then you're in left fields, but I went four and a half on this. <laughs> um, it's I, again, I think it's a great match. I think Ricochet has been awesome. Um, I don't think it's the perfect match that others have it at, but it's it's still great. All right. So. My issue with this match, just looking at the card, this is like the super go awesome, do every single move that you can think of match on the card. And that's fine. I don't have an issue with all of the moves. Totally fine. The move execution, I mean, these guys are world class. Um, mm-hmm. World class athletes, world class professional wrestlers. So, issue's not there. My issue is with the storytelling. Uh, you mentioned Gargano is entrenched in his heel run. Uh, and on commentary, they call him despicable a number of times. Not shady, mm-hmm. not mischievous. No, despicable. Like, almost like Apex Predator, Viper, Randy Orton levels of, like, despicable. That's what they're trying to get him over as. And... The only heelish thing he does in the match is try to sucker Ricochet in with a handshake after they've already wrestled for a couple minutes. And other than that, it is just a straight up wrestler versus wrestler match. And that's where the story really bugged me because they're trying so hard to get this heel character over with Gargano, which I thought had legs with like him thinking he's the hero and -hmm. his perception being way off to now he's like, really bought into it and he's almost like delusional, uh, like self delusional, but like it doesn't reflect in the match itself. He changed up his offense, but it was nothing that would make him a heel. Right. Um, so like, I just thought that was a huge logic gap in the storytelling aspect of the match. So, I mean, I don't know what I would rate just amazing move execution. I went three and a quarter. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't following along with the story and I was really disappointed that Gargano um, did not really change up his in-ring style to match the evolving character. Wrong. <clears throat> I just think that part probably doesn't affect it as, as much for me. Uh, like, I think your your takes are solid as to the strategy and the psychology. Um, Gargano trying to ground him. This might have played better as a respect match, face versus face, that Gargano loses and then mm-hmm. starts to turn out of anger. Might have played better. Like, oh, the newer guy got the best of him. Is Gargano done kind of thing, right? But they went a different way where they were trying to build him up as, yeah, just an asshole heel North American champion, but they don't go all the way um, in this match here with it. So uh, definitely, you know, again, a great match. One of the best we've seen 
I don't think it's the five star classic because it's held up based on this last watch I did. Okay, up next we have our women's match, our women's title match as Shayna Baszler defeats Bianca Belair by submission in 15 minutes. So our first taste of Bianca on a takeover, <clears throat> and she's immediately pushed into a title match. Uh, I went three and three quarters on this match. I thought it was really good. Some really fun power stuff all through this. I mean, Baszler's just been awesome this entire season. Uh, she's really stood out and it delivered a great swath of matches against all kinds of different opponents. Like she hasn't been just wrestling the same person, like whether it's Nikki Cross or Kyrie Sane or now Bianca Belair. Uh, it's just been a lot of, you know, different offense and, and ways to work different matches. But in the end, she's always using her power and her submission work to find a way to retain, which she does here. I thought Bianca showed well for her first big match. Like she looked great. It didn't feel like a one and done or anything like that. It felt like a story they've done a lot of times in NXT with the women where it takes them a little bit to break through, but you knew she would be someone that would break through mm-hmm. and eventually become a champion. Um, I think they did something similar, like with whether Sasha or Bailey back in the day where they kept out of work, you get closer and closer and they finally break through. So it feels like that could be coming. Uh, we again had the horsewoman at ringside sans Rhonda, but we had uh, Marina and Jessamine outside. So that was cool. Um, and this also ended Belair's undefeated streak. So a pretty big win for Shayna. Uh, again, I thought that those are really well done. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So uh, three and three quarters for me. Yeah. Um, here I am out in left field again. <laughs> um, I this one's a little more justifiable. Um, this one for me is four and a half. And here is why. The crowd reaction was probably the purest reaction I think we've seen this season. Not because a spot was awesome, not because the rhythm and timing of a sequence of moves, but the fans genuinely got behind Bianca. And if you would have like just closed your eyes and listened, you probably would have mm-hmm. thought that it was like 1987 Hulk Hogan, like hulking <laughs> up. Uh, just yeah. the way the crowd naturally got behind her. And I love Shayna Baszler's work this season. And I think that's really uh, stuck out to me is how like selfless she is, but her yeah. ability to like get all of her cool stuff in without out cooling the baby face. Right. And unfortunately it's becoming a lost art, but Shayna's really become a master of it this season. And she did all of her cool stuff. Uh, we got team, pl- team play fight out there and Bianca, like, was such just like a pure and strong baby face Mm -hmm. and like we've kind of been missing like that saturday morning say your prayer take your vitamin kind of like baby face this season right um where they're like there isn't really those shades of gray um and bianca like just really performed she really stepped up really got the crowd into it to the point where she did come in as a major underdog but by the end of the match like not only is she over with the crowd, but they think that she has a real shot of winning the title. And if she can just get out of the Caribou to clutch one more time, then like she's going to end up winning. Um, and eventually it doesn't happen. And Shayna gets the uh, submission win. So four and a half for me. I absolutely love this matchup and I've loved Shayna, especially this season. I will say this was interesting, too, is how fully formed Bianca was as a character. Oh, yeah. Like, what you see here, and this isn't meant in a way that she hasn't progressed, but 
what you see here character wise like isn't super far off from what we get on tv today i mean there's more a little bit more confidence and swagger and development but just the presentation the hair the dancing like all of that is like in place immediately here so it's kind of cool to see she's like right in um out of the gate so it was cool it was was an interesting match to watch and uh i really enjoyed the women's division this whole season and a lot of that falls on shana's back because Mm -hmm. like you said she just finds ways to get her power stuff in while also putting over the opponents uh we don't usually talk segments during this stretch here. We'll get to this. But next, they showed Velveteen Dream in the crowd uh, with two very young females. Uh, so this, this <laughs> we'll talk about it, I guess. But I know we struggled a bit with, with Dream because he's been so good and so over mm-hmm. during the season. It really felt like a star level. But I know we struggled with some of the stuff that comes after with him. So I don't know. That just jumped out at me as jarring when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, not a good look. Uh yeah, just just weird looking back on, um, you know, I don't think allegedly what was out there was young women, um, but yeah, just the youngness of the individuals in general in general mm-hmm. um, was uh, striking, I guess I could say. Yeah. All right, main event is Tommaso Ciampa defending his NXT Championship against Aleister Black and. We talked about this last takeover. Like, it's good to see Ciampa against other guys, <laughs> like, to see what he can do. Um, you know, we saw him fight Velveteen Dream at War Games, get away from Gargano for a bit, and delivers a just a great main event. I mean, Black, we've really been a big fan of, too. Some really strong moments along the way. Of course, they do the, you know, both doing the different sitting throughout this, which is kind of both their little gimmick. I do think, like most NXT main events, uh, this probably could have served to lose, you know, five to eight minutes off of there somewhere uh, and tighten it up. I think they tend to just drag on a few minutes longer than they need to. And they could probably hit like much stronger finishes if they just went to the finish a little bit quicker. Uh, I like the spot a lot where uh, Black would hit the Black Mask, but he couldn't finish. He's too, you know, beat down yeah. because that made him look strong even in losing clean. But it took four of Chompa's finishers to take him down. So. You know, it felt like maybe this is where Black could regain his belt, but it also another, you know, guy that was rumored at this time to be moving up to the main roster. So this also felt like a potential, okay, this is it for Black. We'll see. Uh, You know, especially Rumble weekend, right? You'd get guys pop up in the Rumble too. So we'll see. But uh, I thought it was a great match around four stars. And I really enjoyed Ciampa breaking off of Gargano and fighting some different opponents because it's showing that, it's like not just not just them, right? It's Ciampa's like a great worker that could do different stuff for different people. Yeah, and it's nice to see also the NXT title itself not trapped. Uh, mm-hmm. Just as like a cog in the Ciampa and Gargano storyline. Like it's nice to see other people have a shot at it. Yeah. And to see how like people wrestle when they're wrestling for the title. Um, this one had a little bit of the like i wouldn't say finisher spamming because that always doesn't bother me necessarily but like when you're hitting your finish simply because you need a huge like false finish and you need a huge reaction like that's when it bothers me um but i went for anyways really solid work good character stuff as well um and yeah just just great action um clear heel face dynamics and um 
yeah, again, it kind of feels like a send-off for, for Black because he was rumored to be getting the call up mm-hmm. anytime. So uh, nice to see Champa's reign continue with a strong win. Of course, post-match, we get the big moment where Gargano comes out with the North American Championship, and they stand with the belts and kind of give, like, side eyes to each other, and Ciampa's got an evil grin. So it felt like they were driving toward, um, you know, a heel reuniting of DIY. Uh, we talked about it, like, and we'll get to it, I guess, when we get to our next show, but, like, was that the plan, or was it going to be brief and then just setting up? Gargano turning back on him to uh, get revenge. So we'll see. Weird things said with our final show, which we'll get to in a little bit. All right. So, like I said earlier, our average, you know, replacement level match would be a two and a half. So we take Marcus's grade, we take my grade, we average that out. And then we take the distance from that two and a half, and that's your war score. So Ricochet Gargano was an uh, average of a four. That's one and a half points above two and a half. So that, that's where that nets out. So this show as a whole checks in with a score of 7.25 from the matches, which is really strong. That's like upper end for us um, on these cards so far to date. So that means this was one of the best in-ring shows, Marcus, you and I have talked about so far. Just pure match quality wise. Despite my tanking effort. Uh, yeah, this this one was awesome. This one, this one was absolutely awesome. Uh, especially like the opening tag. I just can't get over how good that was. Um, I mean, how many all-time matches do we have on this? I guess we'll get to it, but... Um, there's a lot going yeah. on. It should have been yes. three. <laughs> it should have been three. Yeah, there's but there's there's a lot of a lot of high mm-hmm. grades. The uh, For comparison's sake, Money in the Bank 11, which I think was our high, bef- or still our high, but this is close, was 7.75, and this is 7.25. So it's, wow. you know, that's regarded as one of the best in-ring uh, cards in company history uh, so that this is up there we also had a seven for war games too so this is right around there uh, just strong outing all right let's get to our categories uh, we will start with build for the show so we gave a point for the long cry climb for the war raiders undisputed ever kind of fended them off since brooklyn uh, and here they are finally stepping up and winning the belts uh, cassius ono's bitter heel turn and a continuing chase riddle was well done Ricochet trying to prove he's the best. That's all the story in here that he's just trying to take down the top guys. Gave a point for dominant Shayna and the horsewomen, just you know, running rush out over NXT and then running into the undefeated Bill Air. And then Chompa is being kind of the supervillain puppet master, trying to overtake the world. And now part of that you're seeing that he thinks maybe Gargano's back under his control and he's uh running NXT by pulling all these strings and continuing to sneak out a you know, shows with the belt, taking down different challengers, and now maybe he's got his former buddy back that he could use as a pawn. So a lot of good things uh, fell into place for this card. Yeah, definitely. And the only minus we had was uh, some of the character work with Emo Gargano with the voices in mm-hmm. his head. Uh, we talked about that. There was a chance maybe to have him see the light and then eventually turn heel after the match. Right. I think that would have been a much better, like, bait-and-switch kind of deal. Um but that's our only minus that we have. All right. Next category is commentary. This has been the, the toughest category, honestly, throughout this NXT season. That's really, really the only category that's substantially hurt cards so far. Uh, you know, they did a great job. We gave a point for them putting over how dominant undisputed errors been as champions, gave them a point, thought they did some good work telling Cassius story as to how he's feeling overlooked. Uh, good point for them getting over the Gargano stuff. 
uh, as well as it could. It was a little convoluted, but they, they, they do a good job just trying to get it out in front of you. Uh, you know, and I, I really like the talking point they did during the women's match because this was kind of the infamous pre-show with Sam Roberts shitting on Bianca Belair, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, saying she didn't deserve to get the title match. Uh, and they, they talk about it on commentary. They say, was she ready? Is it too soon? And they break it down. So I thought they did a nice job uh, doing it in a much more respectful way than Sam did. Uh, so we give a point for that in the commentary. All right. Let's get into the minuses. Try hard Mara with the pop culture references all night long. We went mm-hmm. minus two there. We've been pretty consistent with that this season. It's really dated the shows. Um, not in a good way. The return. Well, I guess he never left, but <laughs> the return of Soundbite Percy Watson. Mm. Soundbite, not Showtime. Soundbite Percy Watson this season. Mauro keeps trying to force Phoenix metaphors. Oh, my uh, God. So many. Yeah. Rising like a Phoenix behind the ashes. <laughs> oh, man. Can't wait for Mauro in the Christmas play. I think he made at least one every match. I, th- I think he made at least one every match. <laughs> Nigel unable to carry things in the main. I saw Johnny Gargano in the hotel this morning. His <laughs> eggs coming off his plate like a phoenix rising out of Arizona. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Mar- oh, yeah. Morrow gets in a foot fetish reference during Ono and Riddle. That was weird. Uh, not to kink shame anybody, but the calling out of it on commentary was... Right, well, it's like you're them. really calling attention to it for no. There's really no reason. It's not like it's part yeah. of the angle or something. Yeah, it's like Snitsky's in there. <laughs> Surprising, get a uh, Rex Ryan joke in there, <laughs> and more talk. <laughs> oh, sorry, buddy. Uh, more talk of match performance and uh, stealing the show over winning. Um, and that one's a big one for me. All right, so that nets out to a negative three. So yet again, commentary. Gonna hurt the overall grade of these shows. Uh, atmosphere, I really, we really like the cool desert theme with the graphics and presentation. That looked neat. Uh, the medieval themed warriors entrance is awesome. Of course, as always, the undisputed era entrance was great. Uh, the crowd is super involved in that opening match too. Like they were a big part of the making that really resonate. Ricochet's entrance felt like a star level. He's really glowed up throughout this stretch. Uh, the crowd was red hot for Ricochet Gargano the whole match, and then of course. Uh, you know, entrances are a big part of XT, especially TakeOver, and Aleister Black has a great one, so worth a point there. Yeah, uh, for the minuses, we got the crowd being pretty indifferent and quiet for uh, Cash's Ono during his entrance and during the match, too. Uh, we got the crowd a little confused during uh, the beginning of the women's match. Uh, I think because Shayna has been so dominant, uh, and Bianca has kind of been presented as a heel coming up to this, that like mm-hmm. the crowd was a little split as to what to, what yeah. to cheer for. And uh, the crowd was a little, um, like, up and down all night. Not as hot or invested as uh, we've been accustomed to seeing this season. Yeah, with all the takeovers, I feel the crowd is always into everything. Uh, this one felt a little quieter than usual on and off throughout the night. The Bianca one's a good point, too. It's like, she definitely wasn't positioned yet as a strong uh, top-level face. So I think the crowd was just a little iffy there. But that gives us a four for atmosphere, which is strong. All right, notable moments, uh, the War Raiders stock going up uh, off a big show, right, that they could show they have the skill set. Like, I think that was a big notable moment for them that not only are they just going to win the belts, they're like this super impressive team with this wide arsenal of offense. Um, We did give them a point for winning the belts as well, though. Point for Gargano winning the North American title. 
uh, we give a point for Belair elevating the loss. Like she got the visual mm-hmm. pin. She never said die. She powered through all the bullshit and ends up, uh, you know, going down in a strong defeat. We give a point for Shayna ending Bianca's streak. We also give a point for Ciampa retaining his title by pinning Alistair Black clean, which is no easy feat right now during the stretch. And then also the big tease at the end of the DIY uh, reunion to close the show. So a, a decent amount of points here. Yeah, let's see if the minus section takes away, though. Uh, we got Cassius Ono feeling like he's losing relevancy very quickly, and I think he's going to be done on TV pretty soon after this. Um, ono biting Riddle's foot. Dream in the crowd with the two young women, as we talked about. Dastardly Gargano wins, uh, but the title win is treated like a celebration and triumph instead of a tragedy. Uh, mm-hmm. They talk about, finally, he's done it. He's the North American champion. They go to a crowd shot, like... The overhead crowd shot to see people standing and cheering as opposed to like booing or angry Miz girl or anything like that. Like right. there's there's no sense of like injustice with the win. It's all celebration. And that is weird for a heel. And uh, Sam Roberts does a racism on the kickoff show, setting mm. back women's wrestling and uh, race relations in pro wrestling, especially WWE by about 25 years. Minus so give it two minus there. two. Yeah, that, that was... That was a pretty bad one that everyone was all over immediately. And it just it took away from what was like a great night with yeah. Bianca stepping to the plate in this match. So uh, then that starts to just a one for moments. So, again, could potentially between moments of commentary do some damage. This overall score, we said 7.25 for match grades. Uh, only two positives for card structure or three, I should say, and no negatives. Uh, we give it a point for having the red hot opener, which has been a great format for them. The tags, uh, a tight card, no bullshit, you know. Just the the matches everyone wants to see, no other crap, and then closing with the with the NXT title match. So three points for card structure, also net of three for rewatchability. No negatives here as well. We give a point for the uh, awesome superplex on Hanson, a point for the sick Gargano brainbuster on the floor, and then Bianca hitting the hair whip and deadlift out of a choke um, within that match. A point for that too. So some pretty rewatchable stuff there. That's plus three. We uh, just had one all-time match. Is that true? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So just one. Uh, in War Raiders versus O'Reilly and Strong, uh, I guess I, I cost us on the women. You cost us on Gargano. So that washes out. Uh, so one point there. Brings us to a score of 20.25. So very strong uh, wow. showing mm-hmm. here for TakeOver Phoenix. Puts it right below, surprisingly enough, UK Championship Tournament Night 1, which that may be one of our most shocking results, I think, so far, honestly. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and right above TakeOver Blackpool, which we did our last show. So that means, Marcus, this is our uh, now 10th ranked show uh, overall. Ooh. So pretty good spot for this overall. And top 10 is not thoughts? bad at all. No, it's great. Yeah, I mean, we've done, what, 38 so far by the end of tonight will be at 39 so a lot of shows any final thoughts on thoughts on phoenix before we move along i would say for whatever reason this show for me is going to stick out for being like this is where it feels like the wwe crowd is getting more into nxt like this felt more like a wwe crowd watching a takeover yeah that's um, a good point as opposed to like independent guys or like independent wrestling fans and hardcore NXT fans. Like this, this show felt much more. Do you think the city had something to do with that? Like Phoenix? I, 
I think so. Not a big like indie hotbed town. Yeah, I I think so. Like whenever they stray away from the like market beds for like you know wrestling, like the big wrestling mm-hmm. cities, I I think they run into some difficulty with these takeovers. But at least with the crowd reaction. But um, I'm still surprised that uh, UK night one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was I was really out of nowhere. And uh, I thought this show would have been above that. But right below is not bad either. And it uh, it breaks up that in Blackpool. So uh, good landing spot for Phoenix. Like a Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> it rises up the card. Um, yeah, I'm definitely I was shocked too that that night one UK was as high as it was, but it's cool. That's the fun part of the project. We're discovering stuff. Never would have thought it was possible. Uh, all right. Also not ever thought it was possible is the successful Nortel connection. All the great content comes at you each and every day. We're super proud of all of it. Honestly, um, you know, we've tried to streamline things a bit of late as well. Like we're, you know, just bringing to you now at this point, pretty much one show a day. Uh, but it's, it's really trying to streamline and, bring you the best possible content. A lot of it's evergreen. So if you're not catching up front or you're going to pause it for a few weeks and then you pick it back up, it's stuff like this that you can just kind of live on. It's bingeable. And again, it's just an awesome host that always meet the mark. They put a lot of effort in. And, you know, if you like what we're offering here, check out our other shows and leave us a rating in a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. We cover all sorts of uh, everything across the wrestling business. Uh, you know, a lot of old school wrestling stuff. We hit the Attitude Era. We're doing classic ECW. We hit the Ruthless Aggressive Era in the early 2000s. We have, you know, nerd out list stuff like this and No Holds Barred. Uh, we are break down every single Royal Rumble appearance. We have current wrestling covered, AEW and WWE. So just tons of really fun stuff that I would put up against any other podcast network out there today. So check out everything we have to offer. Marcus, anything you want to add to that? Uh, they sure can't beat our prices and they sure can't beat our meat either. Uh, we got it going on here at the North South connection. Uh, I, I love the, uh, the reimagined and, uh, I, I guess restructured feed encourages people like me to, uh, stay on top of the podcast and try also try new things. If you haven't tried a podcast, I think it's a little bit easier now to kind of just focus on, uh, the podcast or two that's coming out for the day and to stay on top of that schedule wise. So, um, and on top of all that, uh, over at the soon to be named network, you can catch myself and not the tool man, Tim Taylor from first choice here on the North South connection, as we do final wrestling place where we take the announced professional wrestling, we give them arbitrary red points and green points and decide if they end up in the good place or the bad place as their final wrestling place. And also, if you're a fan of Beverly Hills 90210, and who isn't, uh, there's a brand new feed. Tim Cable, myself, a rotating gas market, has been on a few of those. BH90210so.podbean.com, available on Apple Podcasts and other podcatcher apps as well, where we're going chronologically through the history of Beverly Hills 90210 into season two now. So be sure to check that out. It's a really fun show to do. They're usually pretty quick listens. And if you want to relive the early 90s nostalgia along with us, we'd love to have you. So check it out. Yeah, and I'll plug uh, the Instagram that you guys have for that, 9021NoSo Podcast. Um, I like that you guys are uploading pictures of the episode, um, and you're getting me into the show as well um, for being a newbie to the to the show. So it's really enjoyable, and uh, I like being able to follow along on Instagram as well. Tim likes to say we have a 100% conversion rate for new fans, so there you go.
right, let's head over to our next show then, Marcus, and that is NXT TakeOver New York. April 5th, 2019, the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. This is, of course, WrestleMania weekend. WrestleMania at the uh, MetLife in New Jersey, East Rutherford. 15,000 in attendance, including many members of Placement Nation and North South Connection, myself included. Uh, we're super excited to get to this show. Uh, I actually arrived a few minutes late into uh, the opener. We were staying kind of a little bit outside toward the edge of the city, which was close-ish to Brooklyn, but we had to take the subway. And we all had arrived like that afternoon. So it was a little bit of a scramble. And I'm not ashamed to say it myself. Uh, I believe Mr. Flanagan was with us. Mr. Claire, Ms. Smith uh, headed the wrong way on the, on the subway at first. Oh, no. Um, yeah, we figured it out. We got the ship turned around and headed back the right direction uh, once we once we realized it. But it did cost us the first like five or six minutes of this opener here live. But we got there for the bulk of the match. And this card is... Is a great one. Uh, it's It was well-built, well-hyped, and we'll get into it. We have a few dark matches. Street Profits defeated Fabian Egner and Marcel Bartel. Jason Riker, Jackson Riker, I should, nothing, so he's going to have his name said, but Jackson Riker defeats Danny Birch. <laughs> and uh, Candice LeRae, Miss Gargano herself, defeated Aaliyah. So there you go. Those are our three dark show, uh, dark matches. And we have another tight five-match five card here ahead of us tonight. So let's get to the opener, which, as usual, is our tag title match. The War Raiders defending and defeating Alistair Black and Ricochet 20 minutes. Black and Ricochet had formed as a team uh, as part of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. They won that tournament, defeating the Forgotten Sons in the main event to earn this tag title match. We talked about it on, uh, you know, earlier tonight with Phoenix. Uh, it seemed like Black was on his way up. And it felt like this was really another potential farewell spot for him if they didn't win. Uh, this match was, again, awesome. And if you watched these two matches and didn't think, like, War Raiders were going to be the next mega team, you obviously were uh, maybe further in the know or just much more cynical than most people. But they looked amazing here yet again. Uh, just tons of big offense. They're flying around. They're hanging Ricochet and Black. The finish was awesome with a top rope leg drop just completely destroying Ricochet. Uh, the crowd was super into all the impact offense. That's I'm a big fan of like, and this is why I like, like I love like Umaga a guy like him of like power snap offense, Marcus, like mm -hmm. this power offense, where you can just throw a guy around, but then there's like this snap power offense where you're just really mashing dudes left and right. And Umaga was like the king of that to me, just like really would bang dudes around and, and slam them hard on the mat. And war Raiders have some of that in their offense as well. Uh, the crowd was super into all of this red hot, we even see, get the space flying corkscrew tiger drop by Ricochet. Uh, just, you know, insanity all about. We got a, a cannonball off the top from Hanson to the floor. Like, just insane offense from all these guys. So, yet again, I had this pretty much on par with our opener from the last show at four and a half. Uh, but I would not begrudge anyone that even went higher because it's it's a tremendous opener. Yeah, back-to-back um, <laughs> -back shows here with an all-time match for us. I went four and a half. And what I really loved about this match was that not only do you just have like a traditional tag team versus kind of a, a makeshift tag team, but you have four different styles, and everybody plays a role in this matchup, and it creates this beautiful match. Um, War Raiders, of course, are like the power-based team, but like within that, it's like, you have the power and strikes of 
uh, of Roe, and you have the power and agility of Hanson. Mm-hmm. And with Black, like you have the wrestling ability, but you also have the strikes. And with Ricochet, this season he's kind of been uh, to a fault. Uh, I think almost like invincible as a character, where like he doesn't have any holes in his game. Right. But that played well into this match because he was really like the hybrid guy where like he could surprise you with like a strong move or two or he could like keep up with the strikes. But like what really set him apart was like the speed and the agility. Like nobody can do what Ricochet does. So um, that was what I really enjoyed about this matchup. Four and a half for me. And uh, yeah, this this was like a breathtaking tag match. And, you know, I wouldn't have expected Mm-hmm. a makeshift tag team like Ricochet and Black to basically match what we've seen all season from like the Undisputed Era and Mustache right. Mountain. Uh, you know, there was not a drop off at all in the tag team quality with the War Raiders now as the tag team champions. As far as Morrow never broke out like a Hanson the Band reference for Hanson, oh, at least I've heard yet. Um, bop, what a move! You know, <laughs> <laughs> never get that out of him. Oh, All right, next up for TV. Next up is uh, uh, an interesting match, really, because we've seen Matt Riddle uh, be presented strongly since his debut. He knocked out Ono uh, in Brooklyn, beat him again uh, in Phoenix, and he seemed to be ramped up to the next level against a guy here that was, you know, kind of where Riddle was at the beginning of the season, but has really worked his way up the card to where he feels like he's about to break through at some point. I mean, he did have a title match. He did lose, but it feels like he's either going to the main roster or he's going to, at some point, like win this title. And that's Velveteen dream. And surprisingly enough, after 18 minutes dream, who is our, by the way, now our North American champion defeated riddle clean. This finish still shocked me. Uh, even watching it now uh, to to see that ending. And it ends when Riddle puts the armbar on and Dream rolls through. So it was kind of like a flash pin, but it showed that like Dream could work a dude like Riddle, who's, you know, awesome on the mat and with the strikes, you know, being an MMA guy. And Dream's whole story and through line for the season has been proving that he's not just an engaging character or an enigma. Like he's a dude that can wrestle. And he may be able to ape some of the, you know, presentation and ape some of the moves of his opponents and other legends, but he does it so well and it's seamless. You would leave here thinking, again, like this guy is going to be a megastar for this company before all his garbage behavior cropped up um, and was exposed. But I went four and a half on this as well. And. You know, this is an interesting show to me live because, again, it was kind of a whirlwind. I remember loving the whole show live and having a blast, but specifics eluded me. So rewatching this, which I think maybe for the first time since I was there, really made me appreciate this real dream match. I got super engaged in it and I didn't remember it being as awesome as it was. So fantastic stuff. Yeah, these are uh, two maligned individuals uh, for one reason or another. But that being said, credit where credit is due. This matchup was awesome. I went four and a quarter. Uh, so we are two for two with um, all-time matches to start the show. And for me, we are two for two with the style matchups because Riddle really leaned into his MMA-heavy, strike-heavy mm-hmm. offense uh, and also mixing in the submissions. 
and this is the match where it all came together for me for Velveteen Dream, where he's finally like figured out how to blend the basic like eighties traditional TV wrestler mm-hmm. style and mix in a little bit like twenty first century TV and performance into that as well. Uh, and he felt like a like a TV wrestler from the eighties having to fight this. MMA hybrid machine from, you know, 20 or 30 years earlier and having no idea how to do it. And the fact that he was able to catch Riddle with a wrestling move, I thought was a beautiful ending to the matchup. Uh, so, yeah, four and a quarter for me. And it it's unfortunate that uh, the garbage behavior happened um, because the star is shining so bright for Velveteen Dream here. And Riddle in just his, well, I guess technically his third, but really his second proper takeover match uh, in program. Uh, Riddle has already shown that it didn't take him too long to adjust to the NXT style. Uh, and he is already like bringing the best out of Velveteen Dream. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this this was really good. Four and a quarter for me. All right, so we keep chugging along to our next match, which is our UK title match. We saw this teased at the end of TakeOver Blackpool. Pete Dunne defending his title against Walter, and Walter defeats him in 25 minutes to win the UK title and end Dunne's 685-day title reign as UK champion. Um, I I love this match. It's a physical war you know, tons of Dunn's joint manipulation, working the hands, and then a lot of Walter just chopping and beating the shit out of him and throwing him around. Uh, this is before Walter, or Gunther now, has uh, dropped all the weight and wrestles a, di- a bit of a different style. But this is when he was just like Vader Jr., just a fucking bull wrecking shop. Uh, again, do I think like some others, it's a little long, maybe, but this to me did not feel like 25 minutes. Like I watched this and I was like, Shit, when it ended, I thought this was one of the shorter ones. I looked at the time, like, oh, wow, 25 minutes. Um, I, I I love this match. I think Walter's presence is amazing. Um, he just looks so great with the with the belt at the end, standing there. I think it was a smart move. It was time to end Dunn's reign, and Walter should be the guy to just destroy him and win the belt. But, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone would have blamed them if they went the Sting Vader route, where, where Walter just, like, you know, countered everything and wrecked him in, like, 10 minutes. Uh, like it was a bash 92, the first thing Vader match, but uh, this route was good too, to show that Dunn is a valiant champion, uh, despite the size difference. Uh, you know, he hangs in, hangs in, hangs in and almost takes the win before finally succumbing to Walter. So, uh, you know, and he finished him with a power bomb off the top rope and then hits a big splash off the top rope for Walter, <laughs> the big dude. So, I mean, that was like super impressive offense. So I love this match. It is my top, rated match of the whole season which says something uh with nxt grading uh but i went four and three quarters so just shy of a perfect match for me but again it's the it's the best match i feel that we watched uh this season yeah again the style matchup right like dunn is committed to his digits based offense uh trying to strike (laughs) um hitting with the strikes, trying to wrestle and Walter's just really not having it. And anytime Dunn gets the fingers, he gets Walter gets annoyed. So, you know, 
chops the life out of Don. The chops serve a purpose. It's not just for like a woo or to get like a reaction. Like it is actually a, a heavy part of Walter's offense and it kind of takes a little bit of stamina off of the bar for Dunn. I loved the power bomb off the top and then like the big dad splash. That was a, like a, just a cool way to go home. Uh, I went four and a quarter. I probably went four and a quarter. Like this probably would have been uh, four and a half or even four and three quarters if they probably would have opted for like the 15 minute version of the match. Uh, just because the longer it went on, the harder I had believe, like the harder of a time I had believing that uh, you know Dunn was you know, going to survive. Like it, it took me out of it just a little bit. I would have liked to see maybe a, a quicker resolution uh, with such an obvious size difference. But even with that, this match is awesome and another all timer. All right, let's move along to our women's title match. It's a four-way title match with Shayna Baszler, again defending her title against Bianca Belair, Yo Shirai, and Kyrie Sane. 15-minute long match, and Shayna retains. You know, I don't know how much more we could praise Shayna this season. Like, again, just a great match. Again, defeats Bianca, uh, who taps out. I think you can kind of question that finish. Maybe one of the only things to knock from this card overall. Um, the crowd was way more engaged in Bianca here than uh, last show. I thought like they were, mm. c- were clearly pissed when she doesn't win. I think Kyrie probably could have taken the loss here since she's already been champion and kind of been through this feud. And it was not a sh- shock if Shanna beats her and maybe save Belair, you know, her, another loss at Shannon's hands for another time. Now, now she's lost twice. Right. And I, I know I talked about it where this is kind of the NXT women's thing where they have to work up, work up, work up. But it felt like maybe two in a row was a bit much, especially you had someone else there to take the fall. Uh, Yoshirai, someone we haven't talked about really much this season. I think we'll see her more, you know, when we come back to, to revisit 1920, but I'm a big fan of hers across the board, you know, everything, not just NXT. I think she's great. So she was impressive here as always. And you know, Kyrie's great too. This is a wonderful batch of female wrestlers that I'm a fan of all four of them. So Shayna retains. So I went four stars. The match is, the match is great. One of the best women's matches of the season too. Do you think this was time like to take the belt off? Shayna or do you think like we're still not there yet with the person like should this has been Bianca Shayna two and Bianca wins it here it it probably should have like this probably should have been Bianca winning the title I mean the fans are ready after uh the mm-hmm. last event we covered take over New York or uh take over Phoenix um yeah like I wish that there would have been a, a tag team I don't know off the top of my head, but, you know, to have another women's tag team and, and maybe squeeze that match on the card. I know TakeOver likes to stick to five matches, but um, if you want to get uh, Kyrie Zane and Io Shirai on the card, get them in as a tag match, run back Belair and Baszler. It felt like the right time to take the title off Baszler with three challengers. It kind of felt like mm-hmm. these were um, just odds too great for her to overcome. And it was a shock. I think, like, the crowd responded appropriately. Like, it kind of felt like a shock when Shayna retained. Uh, but to see her tap out Bianca, it was just 
kind of cutting some of the water off of Bianca for no good reason. Yeah, two other people right. there to take the fall. Kyrie would have been a perfect choice. She's already been through it, like you said. Uh, we're going to get to see more of uh, Io Shirai, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, whenever we do 19. But, yeah, I went four. It's not like this was bad by any stretch. I mean, this was awesome, right on the cusp of another all-timer for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, four stars for me. Really dope match. But I do think there could have been both a, a different match uh, and also a better outcome. Yeah, I think if you want Shane to retain, just beating Kyrie is the way to go. If you want to do the title change, I'd go singles and have Belair beat her. So. All right, main event time. For the NXT Championship, which has been vacated as Tommaso Ciampa went down with an injury. So we don't get to know what the payoff would have been. Would it have been DIY still working as a team? Would it have been Gargano uh, versus Ciampa yet again one more time to close the feud out? With Gargano winning the belt finally. Um, You know, who knows how that would have played out or gotten to. But this is Adam Cole, baby, who amazingly enough, like you think of him as being such a dominant NXT player, right? Uh, but it's crazy that he's not in the title mix until April 2019. Like, it doesn't feel that long ago. Yeah. Um, I guess now it's, you know, three and a half years. But, like, it felt like it's it's crazy to me that even throughout the season, he hasn't really been in this title picture. Yeah, I was surprised to see him enter the title picture so late to close out the season. Uh, but maybe that just speaks to, like, I guess the versatility of the Undisputed Era being able to move them up and down the card. We've seen them open. We've seen them in six mans. We've seen them in war games. So they've been all over the card this season. And uh, it it kind of feels appropriate that Gargano and Cole are the ones to close us out on the season. Uh, Agreed. Um, And, you know, Ciampa was, you know, him and Gargano, like we kind of talked about in Phoenix earlier tonight, like they weren't going to last. It was going to be a bait. So Ciampa was going to turn on him again during the Dusty Rhodes Classic. Gargano was prepared, turned it around, and then it was revealed later that Ciampa needed neck surgery. Um, and Triple H did actually reveal that Gargano and Ciampa were going to fight here for the NXT title. Um, again, I don't know if that was retconned, right? If the, If they said that just to get us to say, okay, well, we were going to have a title match and now it'll be Cole instead of Ciampa, uh, if it was really headed that way or not. But they they spin the story that way at the least. Uh, where they say Gargano was going to, to uh, challenge Ciampa. Ciampa's gone. Now we have an undisputed uh, or a vacated title on the line. And we're going to put Adam Cole in there, who won a five-way match to get that shot. He also made it best to, best to three to make it definitive. So this match, Marcus, uh, I'd say is one, when you really look at the NXT fandom landscape out there, this to me is like the line in the sand match for a lot of people. This was, I remember a lot of arguing, at least in our circles over this match. Um, there are those that love it. And then there are those that think it's overindulgent, um, way too much over the top, too long. Like the worst of the, you know, pathos, Shawn Michaels booked NXT stuff. Mm. Uh, as usual, I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, I think, is this the one, did Dave give this over five? Is this one, uh, I know some have he, given it a five stars. I think he might have, yeah. I think, I think Meltzer did. I don't remember if this is one he gave six to. I'll have to look. 
Um, I've never been quite that high on it, and especially live. <laughs> I think I was pretty gassed um, by the end as well, because it is a long match. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have a new NXT champion in Johnny Gargano. And I remember being pretty surprised at the time, too. It felt like Gargano was destined to be their Tommy Dreamer. Mm. where like he would never actually win the big one as close as he gets. And I remember thinking for sure, like Cole would find a way to win with the undisputed era. So going back to what I just said, it's crazy that he's not in the title picture till this point, And he's not even champion yet at this point when it feels like he was such a dominant act in NXT for so long. So this does go the full three falls. Um, I mean, it's a great match. Like I'm not going to take that away from it. I do think it's definitely overindulgent. Uh, I think we could have sliced the first two falls off very easily and been fine. Like, I just don't think we needed those first two at all and just make it a one fall match and just go 28 minutes instead of 38. And I think it would have been fine. Um, You know, him kicking out of the super Panama sunrise was a very divisive spot again. Uh, it, like being basically using it as like a transition and not like a super finish mm-hmm. was it one of the big um, talking points coming out of this. I went four and a quarter, which I think is on probably the lower end of the people that actually like the match. Uh, <laughs> again, like for me, this was the fourth best match on the show, which I think not many would think coming off and it's four and a quarter. So it tells you where we're at with the show, uh, which is an incredible show. I pulled up Uncle Dave's ratings. Uh, so he went four and a half on the opener, four and a half on Riddle Velve, a teen dream, four and three quarters on Walter Dunn. So he's in line with me, three and three quarters on the women and five and a half on Cole Gargano. I thought he broke the five star for that. Um, so we're, I'm pretty much in line with Uncle Davey here, except, except for that main event. Where are you at on this one? You're you over five. You're going six, seven stars. Uh, you know me, of course. I can't wait to hang out, uh, hand out. 10 stars to Gargano here. No, um, I went four. it's, I, I didn't hate the match. It is overindulgent. Um, but it's also like Cole finally being in the NXT title picture. And we've said like, it's refreshing to see guys actually wrestle for the title besides mm-hmm. Gargano and Champa matches. Um, or getting to see babyface Gargano. They've retconned that fairly quickly. Uh, I think the reason I went so high was because I loved the, the finish, um, mm-hmm. with like the undisputed era coming out and the way they build up to like that run in and just like how unstoppable Gargano was on this night. Like he was wrestling at a 99 and there was no way that you were going to beat him. And I thought that was a cool, uh, like kind of like a cool payoff to the character that work that we've seen this season, which has been far from perfect. Uh, and had many, many holes. But the fact that, like, he's wrestling for his buddy, he's trying to get the title, uh, you know, he's got his wife on his side, uh, and he's going up against the supervillain group of NXT. Like, all that added in, there was no way he was going to lose on this night. So I thought that was cool. Um, It's a really good match, but it's hard, at least for me, for the match to be memorable because there's just so much that happens. Uh, you know, f- right. almost 40 minutes of action. There's so many like high spots. There's so many like mm-hmm. land on your head spots. There's so many super kicks and 
Shining Wizards and stuff like that. Uh, again, not that that's a terrible thing. It's just a lot to remember, and it's hard for it to stick out. So I think they have a match coming up that I like a bit more, um, but that is to be seen. Final war score for me is four. All right, Marcus. So when you net all these out, it gives us a total in-ring grade of 9.25, which easily crushes our previous high. Um, Between the two of us, we had nothing below a four. And you could argue we're low in the main event. Uh, We have three all-time great matches based on our standard, close to a fourth. Close to five out of five. Yeah. When you look at these grades and you look at Meltzer's grades, I, I mean, I've always personally felt New Orleans was the best takeover, but I think my opinion may change. I'd have to like relive that one. And then when you look at the history of WWE, I think there's a very big argument <laughs> could be made that this is their greatest in-ring show of all time. I know Canadian Stampede is up there another short show stuff like WrestleMania 17 has stuff way below this. Mm-hmm. I know the stakes aren't as high, but when you talk like pure in-ring quality, this has got to be the, their best show ever. Just in-ring grades, match grades, snowflakes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough to debate that. Like just looking at the in-ring work alone and not factoring in, like to who the audience is for this, right? Mm-hmm. Like NXT has that advantage. And I think that's why it was so successful. They could key in on a demographic, right? Like if you are a male between the ages of like 23 and, and you know, 55, right? Like you're going to love NXT. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Raw and SmackDown have to cater to a much bigger audience. So the wrestling is going to reflect that, right? They can't tell these intricate But stories. think of all the pay-per-views in their history. Right. Right. I mean, whether whether whatever they're catering to, um, like yeah, it, it, nothing's such. <laughs> like yeah, it's, just just in ring five work. matches, you know, four and above with two of us grading. You know, yeah, I mean? like, and I mean, it, me especially, like, I'm <laughs> very hard, yes, very uh, hard on, on this era NXT, and this was a home run of a show for me. So, yeah, this this is uh, at the end of the day, I think this has got to be their best in ring effort. Pretty amazing. Ever. Crazy to say. Um, again, you know, we'll get to New Orleans eventually when we do seventeen, eighteen NXT. But um, I'll be curious because, like I said, that to me was always the best. But I don't know if it could top this one. The only thing you could say here is for us, we don't have a five star match, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, maybe that's like the one knock on it. I, I think most people probably do, but we don't. All right, let's get to our uh, uh, categories here. So our build, we gave a point to uh, a really good way to get Ricochet and Black as a tag action by winning the Dusty Cup. It didn't feel like a demotion because they put so much prestige in that tournament. Uh, a good battle of styles between Riddle and Dream in the, in the build up to this showcasing, you know, can Dream hang with Riddle. A uh, good build where Shayna can't beat, uh, no one can beat Shayna one-on-one. So now she's got three. <laughs> They've had some success against her. Uh, so I thought that was well done too. So we got a, a few points there for build. Yeah, those are, those are cool notes. I like, especially like the Shana thing with the, the three-on-one mm-hmm. kind of aspect. Um, let's get into the minuses, though. We do have a few. Uh, no Walter and Dunn build on actual NXT 
it just felt like a sponsored match from NXT UK right. uh, yeah. that they paid for the spot for and had to had to air. Uh, the soft, quick uh, build-up of the feud for Cole and Gargano over who is Mr. NXT. Ugh, I hate even saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, Chapa being hurt again doesn't uh, allow... Yeah, but, like, it doesn't doesn't give him the opportunity to kind of pass the belt along and like wrap mm-hmm. up this reign because he was going places and this reign I think was going to be pretty memorable. Um, so yeah, we're going to ding it there. And uh, Gargano randomly being the face again, we talked about him being retconned fairly quickly. Um, I don't know if they thought Champa was like seriously never going to wrestle again. Like you never know with neck surgeries, like, but that's kind of how they treated it in the way that they so quickly uh, turned mm-hmm. Gargano face. Um, you know, they, they acted with great urgency there. But, uh, yeah, those are our minuses. So it's a negative one for Bills. Uh, so if anything's going to hurt the show, that, that may be it. Or maybe it's this next category. Commentary, which for the last oh, time boy. this season, we'll see how it affects the show. Uh, you know, they did a nice job tying the teams to the Hall of Fame teams from the weekend that were go, you know, getting uh, part of the Hall of Fame class. They put it on that level without hammering it home. Tremendous focus on telling the story of Dream of Riddle. They cut the nonsense out and they hung with the pace with insight. Uh, Nigel was great talking strategy between Walter and Dunn. Uh, Morrow did a nice job talking about Gargano using parts of Ciampa's offense, which kind of pays a little bit of service to the dropped angle. So that was nice. Uh, but Marcus, uh, with a little happiness comes a grain of salt. We're back here for, for commentary. <laughs> well, there's been plenty of salt this season for commentary. Uh, salt like a sugar. Try hard, Mara, with the pop culture references all night long. Once again, minus two. The return of soundbite Percy Watson. Mara for, uh, forcing in the finger food vegan joke about Dunn again, repeating his material. Uh, Mara compares the match to Brexit, which uh, maybe some of our uh, UK listeners could chime in, but. Uh, it's kind of like a big deal, right? Like, I, I don't know if comparing that to a wrestling match is uh, appropriate. Mar pronounces it Iron Man. God, it drove me fucking nuts. The whole show. <laughs> Instead of Iron Man, he kept saying Iron Man. And it was like, I, at first I thought he was, but he says it like every time he says Iron, he said Iron. And it, just, it drove me nuts. So minus one. King's English, that. pal. Jesus. Uh, this show was really bad uh, with Morrow cutting off sound by Percy. Uh, and anytime mm. Percy tried to speak like a person, um, Morrow would just cut him off. And it got to be like kind of uncomfortable. I was like, dude, like it, it's getting tense. Not in like a, a good way to add to the show. Like you're not even letting this dude talk, like share the booth a little bit. Um, there are talks of the rope-a-dope strategy in the main event with two guys who, no shade, but two guys who probably weigh max out, what, 170? Mm. Um, they're talking about rope-a-dope, and that is a heavyweight uh, boxing strategy mm-hmm. made famous by Muhammad Ali, of course. Um, but then they immediately start talking about, like, well, these guys are in great condition. Well, yeah, no, like, of course they're in great condition, like... They look like world-class Peloton athletes. Like, the conditioning is insane. You're not going to rope-a-dope either of these guys. I just thought that was a a really dumb point on commentary that really bugged me. Um, The main event also, 
um, racking up the uh, negative points. We're just sucking off Shawn Michaels the whole time, uh, talking about, oh, the boyhood dream for somebody's going to come true. Oh, the boyhood dream for somebody's going to come true. Oh, uh, two out of three falls match. Maybe Shawn Michaels had some of these, this, that, and that. Um, talking about WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels, again, the boyhood dream. Uh, and the third fall being called sudden death overtime. Mm. It's like, like, it's just another, like, I hate when, um, sports analogies get used incorrectly in the world of sports and entertainment. Um, because if you have three falls scheduled, the third fall is not sudden death overtime. Like if the third fall went to a no contest and then there is an overtime period, right? And you have like a fourth fall, then that would be sudden death overtime. But uh, a scheduled a scheduled third fall to end a tie after uh, two falls is not sudden death. It is just a regularly scheduled part of the match. Well, at least it wasn't an Iron Man match. So. <laughs> we uh, so we have negative six on commentary here, Marcus. So. Uh, we may be dragging down the potential for this to take this number one spot because this, the rest of the grades are sterling, but uh, those two categories definitely hurt it. Atmosphere gave a point for the War Raiders entrance, which is awesome. Uh, Ricochet's entrance is like an event, like when he comes out, like the music and the look and everything. A point for the Black entrance also always gets a point. Uh, the crowd was super hot for Ricochet and Black, so a point for that. Crowd fully engaged to Riddle and Dream the whole way through. Uh, a point for Walter's awesome entrance. A point for the crowd never shutting up during the 25-minute Walter Dunn match. Um, gave a point for Gargano's Iron Man gear. Uh, <laughs> of course, I believe this is around the time of Endgame, so it was topical. A point for Adam Cole's entrance always gets a point. And we gave a point to this crowd staying engaged 40 minutes through this main event not giving up, giving out. So uh, points there. So that's uh, all the positives. A lot of uh, high spots for the atmosphere. And we only have two minuses. Uh, the crowd being uh, burned one, out. Actually. Oh, uh, so yeah, one. Uh, crowd, two notes, one uh, actual minus, though. Crowd being burned out by the women's match. Um, they stay with it, but if there is a dip in the crowd at any point, it's during that match. And it deserved attention. Uh, so that's a nine for atmosphere. So big points there on this show. And now we get moments. Uh, Ricochet establishes a fucking star out of the gate on <laughs> the show. Just a star. Mm -hmm. uh, War Raiders retaining clean over two of the top guys made them look again like a mega team. Uh, a point for the post show, you know, respect the hugs, the bows between War Raiders, Ricochet and Black. Uh, another point for the standing ovation for Ricochet and Black basically wrapping up NXT. They, you know, it's a really cool moment for them. Uh, a point for the presentation of the American Dream Statue of Liberty statue, just opposed with the Macho King entrance from Velveteen Dream, which is really cool. Uh, a point for, uh, I'm sorry, did I say American Dream? Uh, just the, the, <laughs> the Statue of Liberty uh, meshed with Macho King for his entrance. It's totally tired. I read it quick. I saw I was thinking of the, the Dusty Rose classic. I got it confused. Just thinking of the boot being uh, carried to the ring. Right. Well, there's the great Dusty uh, at Access this year. We saw our Superstore. Yeah. There was a great Dusty uh, bust. But yes, the uh, Matt, Matt, meshing the Statue of Liberty with the Macho King entrance for Dream. Uh, Dream ending Matt Riddle's undefeated streak. Clean. Point for that. We get a point for cool moment of uh, revealing Kushida in the crowd. A point for Walter ending Dunn's streak and winning the title. Uh, we get a point for Edge and Beth Phoenix in the crowd. 
Just three years ago, you would have thought I was 20 when you look at when you look at Edge. He, <laughs> he looks, looks so, young. so young. He looks uh, so young. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they get a big pop. A point for Shayna retaining clean over three other women with no help. And then two points for Gargano finally winning the big one. And we didn't mention this in the match, but Ciampa comes out with the neck brace on and they give a hug. So kind of putting an end to their story with Gargano winning the big one. So two points to that. It's been such a key point of NXT this season and, and even before that it was worth like, that's like a big moment. Yeah. Um, let's jump into the minuses. Uh, Belair tapping out again. Could have gone another way as we talked about earlier and the super Panama sunrise being used as a transition. Um, Shawn Michael strikes again. But that's well, that it. Said that, is, that is plus 10 for for moments. So another big score. Plus nine and a half for match grades we talked about. Uh, card structure. Uh, a point for the hot tag opener, as always, for NXT. Uh, a point for, you know, Velveteen Dream's entrance, keeping the crowd engaged after that great opener. Uh, we gave a point for this being the best pure wrestling pay-per-view ever, like we talked about earlier. And, uh, you know, just having no gimmicks or BS. So all really good card structure points. Yeah, um, we do have click on this. Uh, we do have a tough spot for the women, uh, but something had to follow the the hot three match stretch that we had. May have been time for a rare NXT segment to possibly like break up some of the action. Uh, main event should not have been best two out of three falls. Uh, like you said, one fall would have sufficed, uh, especially with kind of like the I guess weaker uh, finish for the first fall. And uh, main event could have been much tighter. Again, 40 minutes, understand what they're trying to go for, but um, could have been tightened up. All right, so that nets out to a zero uh, on card structure. Rewatchability, we got four points here. Uh, we got one for Ricochet's corkscrew flying tiger drop, followed by Hansen with the top rope cannonball. Gave a point for uh, Walter's super powerbomb. We could rewatch that over and over. We gave a point for Bianca's power spots, which always look amazing. And then a point for Gargano's win, which is a rewatchable moment for sure. Absolutely. The uh, I feel like the uh, flying space tiger gimmick is always always good for a point and a star mm-hmm. in a match. Yeah, it's really cool to see. And then uh, no negatives. So just yeah, no negatives. Uh, our all-time matches, we had three, which maybe are probably going to be a record for us. We'll see if it ever gets stopped. But uh, Ricochet and Black versus the War Raiders, Riddle versus Dream. Walter versus Dunn. Crazy enough, Gargano Cole, not an all-timer for us, which would have been four, uh, but it is three. And Marcus, that gives us a total score of 28.25, meaning it is now our fourth best show ever. And it is just, uh, you know, to quote Uncle Junior, a C-U-N-T hair away from uh, being number three <laughs> or number two, because our second show, our third show is Royal Rumble 2000 at 28 and a half. So this is a quarter point below that. Our number two show, Money in the Bank 11, at 28.75. So we are one point away from this being the second best show we've done. That is Um, nuts. And honestly, if it wasn't for the just not great commentary of the season overall, if if this commentary is even just replacement level, like this is a challenge to SummerSlam 99 for the top spot. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, but when you 
watch the shows as we are doing with the criteria, you do have to pay attention to the commentary and it does factor in. And uh, I think, you know, might have factored in, into our awards uh, when we get into it. Cause mm-hmm. um, yeah, this was, this was a costly one. Like, like you said, that would have been uh good for the top spot, which kind of thought maybe <laughs> like we thought money in the bank would kind of be like the top show. Right. Or SummerSlam comes by, or Fully Loaded also um, comes really close. SummerSlam tops that, uh, and nothing has really come close to touching SummerSlam 99 yet. Yep. But the fact that this show would have, um, if not for the commentary being so far below replacement level, uh, it really speaks to something this season. And I unfortunately, the build, kind of, the build is a little bit better. Yeah, so. yeah, build as well. Crazy stuff, man. Um, and really, just one point away. Just think of all the little points we took away here and there. Like one more point, and this is our second best show. Like that's all as far as it was from being number two. Um, all right, why don't we give our top ten uh, overall shows? Because again, the list is getting pretty big. We're not going. You know, we're up to thirty nine now. We're not going to do them all. But uh, here's our top ten. Tenth place is our hanging on our UK Championship Tournament 2018 Night One with 21.75. Yep, followed by NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 with a 22.5. Then No Way Out 2000 with 22.5. The SummerSlam 2011 with a 23. Number 6 best show, Fully Loaded 99, 26.25. NXT TakeOver War Games 2 with a 26.5. NXT TakeOver New York in 4th with 28.25. Raw Rumble 2000 with a 28.5. And second place show, Money in the Bank 2011, 28.75. And our number one overall show so far in the project, SummerSlam 1999, with a war of 38.25. All right, so inside the top 10, we have four NXT shows from this season. Inside the top 15, we have seven NXT Mm. shows. So that means only one from the season is outside the top 15. And that was UK tournament night two at tw- at uh, twenty two, so pretty intense season for us, Marcus. When we watched eight shows and seven were inside the top fifteen, comfortably inside the top fifteen. A lot of high quality steak this season. We've been eating good with the in ring quality. The show quality overall has been excellent, and I wonder as a season itself, like, will this be the best overall season? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I can tell you right now it is when you go by average score uh, for each show. So we've ranked our four seasons and total score. Obviously, it's not first because it's just less shows. But more importantly, is average score. Uh, so fourth place right now is 1994-95 with an average score of just 5.6 war. Uh, 2011-12 with an average score of 10.2 war. Then 99-2000 with an average score of 17.8 war. And our number one show, our number one season, 2018-19 NXT, 21.3 average score. So mm. I think it's going to be tough to top it uh, for sure. But there's a couple out there that could possibly contend that we'll get to. Certainly. We have we have thought that before and I've been mm-hmm. surprised. All right. Why don't we do our year-end awards and then we'll wrap things up. Absolutely. Hand out some trophies. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> 
our MVP, which is kind of our eyeball tests. We just kind of talk it out and say who are our favorites, independent of any statistics, just who are, you know, who are the best of the best for the season. And, and we agreed that it was O'Reilly and Strong. Um, you know, they had a ton of great matches. They had the War Games match. They were kind of the glue to the tag division, which was the best consistent work up and down the card. Uh, we never get sick of them. Like, there was stuff we got sick of throughout the season. They they were just awesome every time out. Um, going into enemy territory in the UK, being inside the cage with, you know, a bunch of bruisers. Like, whatever it was, they just delivered. So, mm-hmm. I, I think we were in pretty, pretty easy agreement on them. Yeah. And a uh, little side note, our first tag team to win the MVP yes. award. Yes. All right, our Silver Slugger, which uh, is basically the best average match grade. Uh, so this is pure statistics. And you had to have been in a minimum of a third of the pay-per-view. So this team does have two, uh, I'm sorry, three matches out of eight. So that puts them over the, the one-third barrier. And that is the War Raiders, surprisingly enough, uh, had the best average match grades. And that is 4.42. They had three matches and averaged almost four and a half stars. Uh, wow. They had the two tags we just talked about and then war games uh, back at war games too. So pretty freaking wild uh, that they're that high. Yeah. I mean, they, they snuck in at the, the back end of the season, but mm-hmm. I mean, they made it they made the cutoff and uh, yeah, three matches, three all timers. And uh, yeah, really surprising to see the War Raiders uh, take home the Silver Slugger, but well learned. I mean, they they were awesome in uh, all three all three pay per views we covered. All right, our Vin Scully for our best announcer of the season. You know, we've been pretty down on the commentary overall for the season, but uh, we agreed Nigel McGuinness was the best of the best of the bunch here consistently. Yeah, especially with the uh, Takeover Blackpool performance, mm-hmm. uh, that that was his one shining moment. Uh, he really delivered there. All right. Our Mendoza award, um, which is the, I guess, the lowest graded worker. And, you know, I think we may have to rerun this Marcus. Uh, so we can fix it and then rerun it. So I think when you originally did this, we were saying a quarter of the shows and we, then we upped it to a third because uh, we had given it to cash Sono at 2.25, but I think he's only in two matches. That's right. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll fix that up and we'll come back. In our next show and, and correct it but um for now that is incorrect and but even if that was correct at 2.25 it's pretty crazy that's the worst <laughs> i mean you look at our three seat previous year like our last season jacqueline was at 0.67 average match grade so pretty wild uh nxt sim and i'm actually gonna be interested because outside of that ono riddle matches like nothing was really that low for us so i don't know like our low person maybe like in the threes so we'll see yeah that's um, not just uh, lvp we ended up going with maro and percy watson they were the biggest consistent drags on the season for us like a lot of these nxt shows that finished in the top 15 might have even finished higher if not for them like the commentary was a consistent negative uh, across the board yeah especially um we hadn't talked about this earlier but talking it out here I mean, they cost NXT TakeOver New York being the number one show. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's going to be a big deal for us moving forward. So, um, yeah, just by their performance alone all season and culminating with uh, <laughs> blowing, blowing this awesome show um, and costing it the top spot, um, I'm totally okay handing them the LVP award. 
All right, best individual performance. We went with Pete Dunn in New York. Uh, it was the highest rated match. You know, he made Walter look like a million bucks. He hung in there, and then of course uh, was coming off his 680 day reign. So we just I thought individually that was the best showing of anyone in the season. Yeah, we saw Dunn work hard all year to try to establish that NXT UK title, and to see him finally hand it off to Walter and turn in the performance that he did, taking the beating that he did, uh, never backing down from Walter, and uh, just taking a beating during that whole match um, and passing title on and leaving it in better hands than when he had originally got it. Uh, I think Dunn deserves the uh, performance of the year. All right, Rookie of the Year. This is someone who was not in on any pay-per-views in the previous season uh, and, and then debuted and had a great year. So we gave this to Walter. He had his great debut in Blackpool and then gave us the best match of the season. His only match, but uh, – and there was some di- some different contenders throughout this. Uh, but Walter was you know a guy that wasn't on any events prior to the season and just crushed it when he showed up. Yeah, it's definitely uh, our Rookie or Newcomer of the Year. And stepping up and automatically having the best match uh, of the season, that was, I mean, it's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just his presence, he presence, he brings something different uh, to the roster. So uh, congrats, Walter, on the, the Rookie of the Year. All right, most made events was a three-way tie between Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and Pete Dunn. Each had three. Uh, Shayna Baszler takes home our most matches one award with five so she won five matches this season out of eight pay-per-views um and she also had the most title matches she was in six title matches this season so it really dominated the women's division uh most matches lost were mvps actually o'reilly and strong lost four matches but you know what they looked awesome in all of them we ended up going take over new york for best crowd and i think that was proven by our atmosphere scores yeah yeah um what was the other runner-up? War Games? Yeah. It was a close yeah, runner-up, but yeah. Uh, yeah, TakeOver New York, I think, uh, was the best crowd overall. And then finally, we have our All-Star team, which is our top five performers of the season. Of course, we went strong in O'Reilly. We cheated a little bit with the teams. We counted them as one. Uh, Alistair Black, who we loved all season. Shanna Baszler absolutely deserves to be on this spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricochet, and then Adam Cole, who was a, a stalwart throughout the season as well. So uh, it was tough. We, we had a, quite a little debate. Um, but I think those were definitely our top five. Yeah, we uh, we talked it out, and I think we could have switched out many people um, for that last spot on the team. Cole ended up getting it. And, uh, yeah, special shout-out to Baszler. Happy to see her make the All-Star team because she was in serious consideration for the MVP award because uh, she really brought it all season. But, um, yeah, I, I really like our All-Star team. All right, and then our uh, all, for better or worse, all-loser team, I guess. We need a better name than that. Uh, but our, our opposite of the All-Star team. Uh, poor Mauro, uh, Ronaldo, and Percy Watson are both on here. Uh, also, Travis Banks, who was kind of made to look like a goof in, the, <laughs> in Blackpool, where he got beat up backstage, and then also, you know, didn't have the best showing in the in the tournament either. Um, we gave it to Isla Dawn, who was just terrible in that women's match at the UK tournament, and then uh, EC3, who kind of looked like a bum, you know, was teaming with Velatine, which was good, but then. Ends up getting outworked by him. Just, he looked like outclassed completely this season. Yeah, he looked like a fish out of water in NXT. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, you enter a match with Velveteen Dream in the UK, you look like your equals for maybe two minutes, and then he just totally eclipses you during the match and uh, gets shown up at, at the takeover following that up. Um, yeah, well, well deserved all lose your team. And we'll right. workshop that name. <laughs> we will. So those are our year-end awards for another great season in the books, Marcus. 2018-19 NXT is now behind us. Uh, we'll kick off our new season in two weeks' time. We'll leave that as a mystery for you. But I will tease and say we may be through another season very quickly. We'll just leave it at that mm-hmm. for now. So uh, I think that's it. I think we've covered all our business. Hopefully everyone's enjoyed the season. I've uh, enjoyed, continue to enjoy doing the show with you, Marcus, and reliving these pay-per-views. Four in the books already uh, and many more to go. So for Marcus, I am JT. Continue to live your life above replacement level. When you started, but now you just garbage. You fell from top ten to not mention at all. To your bodyguards, Uchi Wally's verse better than yours. Matter of fact, you had the worst flow on the whole fucking song. But I know the sun don't shine, the sun don't shine. That's why your career come to an end. It's only so long, fake thugs can pretend. If it you witnessed it from your folks' pad, you scribbled in your notepad and created your life. I showed you your first tech on tour at Large Professor. Then I heard your album about your tech on the dresser. So yeah, I sampled your voice. You was using it wrong. You made it a hotline. I made it a hot song. And you ain't getting fucked in. I know who I paid, God. Searchlight Publishing. Use your... You said you've been in this 10. I've been in it 5. Smart enough, Nas.